welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back everyone to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, the founder of She Talks Health. And I'm so excited to be back recording this month with an incredible fellow FDN practitioner, Erica Zeal. Erica is also certified as a personal trainer and Pilates instructor. She's a health and nutrition coach. She's a core exercise and pre and postnatal exercise specialist. And she's on a mission to help women live a healthier life and heal their body through movement, wellness, intuition, and breath work. Erica has morphed her education with her constant finding of research and a hands-on approach to teaching female clients. And Erica is super passionate about education surrounding wellness and taking a holistic approach to healing our bodies. She wants to inspire women to regain not only hope, but also experience true life-lasting results, which of course, you guys know I love that at She Talks Health. And she is the founder and creator of Core Athletica, the Core Rehab Program, Knocked Up Fitness, Prenatal Membership, and the Instruction Trainer Courses and hosts of the Core Connections Podcast. Holy smokes. Erica is here to talk to us all about pelvic floor health. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, Erica. Well, Sophie, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Me too. It's always so fun to have a, another FDN <laughs> on the air with me. And especially because this whole area that you specialize in is something I certainly do not know enough about, but it's something that comes up with my clients so much. And I would love, I always like to ask like how you kind of fell into this. Cause I know you're doing a lot. You've got your personal training background and your pre and postnatal exercise specialists and you're an FDN. So like, how did you fall into wellness and supporting women in these ways? Okay. So I'll try to make a long story really short. Um, but honestly it starts, um, all the way back when I was five, I actually started having knee pain when I was five and they kept saying, the doctors kept saying it was knee or it was growing pains. Right. So it would just eventually go away. Well, it just, didn't. And um, by the time I was 17, we finally went out. My mom took me to the Mayo Clinic up in, you know, uh, Minnesota. And uh, they, I saw a specialist up there and they were like, yeah, you need to strengthen your, your legs. And I was like, seriously, that's like 
that's the answer that no one has been able to give me for the last like, you know, 12 years of my life. You know, I was, I stopped growing by the time I was what, 14. And, um, so it was like a light bulb moment for me. And so I started, um, learning how to lift weights, actually doing Olympic lifts. I was very blessed at the time. We had an amazing, um, strength and conditioning coach who was really big on form. So I learned how to do things correct, um, from the very beginning. And I was pretty much the only girl in the weight room, you know, <laughs> lifting weights. Um, and so it just really, I don't know, I just kind of ripped off the Band-Aid and just started learning. And then I went to college to study exercise science. Um, and basically through all of that, I ended up basically healing my body um, and really started recognizing the power of movement. That was like the first first layer here, right? Um, and I, you know, started personal training you know, dove into Pilates, um, ended up moving up to Southern California and studying um, Pilates with John Gary out there and just doing the entire, it was like a whole other degree, right? When you're, when you're really deep in, um, into the Pilates world and you learn all the, you know, training on the equipment and, you know, beginner to advanced and all of that. So um, that was a, really a big next layer for me of understanding movement and the body and, you know, really starting to understand fascia and our core um, and all along, I was very interested in um, pregnancy and exercise and movement because I saw and I started working with pregnant women way before I ever even planned to be pregnant myself um, because I saw the power that movement could do for our pregnant moms to help her to feel better during pregnancy, help her prepare for birth, and then, you know, postpartum recovery. And so through my three pregnancies, working and working with a lot of women um, from pre-pregnancy all the way to my wonderful you know, ladies in their 60s, um, I started really like discovering so much more about the body. And basically, I like to say the pelvic floor conversation kind of found me. I didn't really go searching for pelvic floor. I mean, I took anatomy in college, like really intense anatomy, and we didn't learn what pelvic floor or the pelvic floor was. Um, and so through, you know, looking outside the box, getting outside of fitness, you know, mainstream fitness training, um, I started to discover and, you know, looking up research and learning from other amazing experts um, in the world of basically fascia and pelvic floor training. And I started discovering like, wow, there's so much we're doing in the fitness world that is actually leading our women to dysfunction down the road. Um, and actually sometimes not too far down the road because I've worked with a lot of women, even and they're like mid twenties that start having pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and they're told like, Oh gosh, like you just have to live with it. And I'm like, mm -mm, no, you don't <laughs> No, you don't. So I just have become really passionate over the years because I've changed thousands of women's lives, you know, to date to not only give them hope, but really give her real results. She doesn't have to live with, you know, peeing her pants when she goes for a run or just laughs or, you know, whatever it might be. And that, you know, even if you're listening and you're not a mom, right? Women, you don't have to be a mom to have um, incontinence and pelvic floor issues. So anyway, that's like really kind of my story. And um, here I am and teaching in all, in all forms. And <laughs> so amazing. I love it because you're right. Like we're not really taught anything about our pelvic floor and then we get injured and we're often told as women, like, oh, you just have to suck it up or you just have to deal with it or this is just part of being a woman and I love that you're just like me but in a totally different like part of women's health being like nah that's not true <laughs> like let's reframe this conversation and actually teach women what they need to know so that they can live their full life and oh it's so so beautiful what you do so um thank you for your work and thank you for being on this show to educate our audience about this
really important topic. <laughs> well, thank you again for having me. So I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So let, I mean, let's talk about incontinence because this is probably one of the main complaints that I, I hear about from like, you're right from moms, but also not from moms, just from women in general. And no one likes to pee their pants in public. Right. Um, and I've, I've also had the opposite, the other end of things as well, you know, with people with their bowel movements um, as well, because I work a lot with gut health. And um, I often will have to refer out to a pelvic floor um, specialist or someone who can help with this. So why does incontinence happen in women? And um, maybe how does someone navigate this? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. That's a great question. So there are different reasons. I'll tell you what I see are several common reasons. Um, so obviously, right, having babies, um, it puts a lot of stress on our pelvic floor. So there is that aspect of it. But a lot of women think that if they're experiencing incontinence, it's because their pelvic floor is too weak. I actually find that's not true. A lot of women, especially women who tend to be physically active, weight training, CrossFit, are runners, or previously were, um, are actually really too tight in their pelvic floor. That's a really big thing that I have to teach my ladies is like, we have to learn how to relax, right? Like how many people all day long feel stressed and anxious and tight, right? Like if you're feeling that way, there's a pretty good chance your pelvic floor is really tight as well. Um, not necessarily, but you know, that may not be true for a hundred percent of people, right? There's always other, other answers. Um, but some women do have too weak of a pelvic floor for sure. Um, and then there's everyone in the middle of having imbalance strength of our pelvic floor. Because this one thing that I think people don't realize about their pelvic floor is how big it is in a sense. So I'm going to use this example. I like to always hold my fingers up and like make a diamond. So ladies, if you're just listening, if you think like, you know, pointer finger and your thumbs together, you make like a diamond. And so if you like place that parallel to the ground, like, oh, like that's kind of how big my pelvic floor is as far as like the area of it, right? Um, a lot of women tend to think, oh, it's just like a quarter size because we're taught to do our Kegels, you know, by stopping the flow of urine. And I actually find that that leads to extremely imbalanced pelvic floor. So maybe you're really tight in the front of your pelvic floor and you don't even know how to activate the back of your pelvic floor because, you know, our pelvic floor goes from pubic bone to back to the tailbone and then sits bones to sits bones. So ladies, if you're sitting and you kind of wiggle around your seat that you're sitting on, like kind of find those bony points. And if you don't think they exist, I promise you they're there. Um, but just kind of thinking of that diamond shape at the base. So when we start to understand, wow, our pelvic floor is much like wider and bigger than we realize, there's a lot more there to learn how to properly strengthen. And I, and I say that very like wholeheartedly of like the word is properly strengthened. I don't just say strengthen the pelvic floor because a lot of women have too tight of pelvic floors. Um, and also understanding two ladies that are inner thigh strength or lack thereof or imbalance from the right side to the left side, what's going on on the inside of our hips and through our pelvis and our glute strength um, and the position of our pelvis, all of that ladies plays a huge role in pelvic floor function. And so this is where, you know, when I was kind of talking about my story where I discovered the pelvic floor as yes, there's the standalone function of our pelvic floor, but more important than the pelvic floor as a standalone is how is everything working together? And I know, Sophie, you get that as FDNs. We're like always looking at everything, you know, together. 
Yeah, I'm just listening to you thinking, oh, this is, I mean, this is exactly what like my personal trainer says about just other parts of my body. Like, you know how you have strength on one hip and then like you're looser on the other side and you have to balance it. Otherwise you can like get really hurt and not, and not be functioning optimally. So I, it's fascinating to hear this idea of like an imbalance in your pelvic floor, something I've definitely never thought of. Yeah. And a really big common thing that I find shuts off the pelvic floor, which even if your pelvic floor is shut off, it doesn't always mean it's weak. It can mean that it's too tight. Um, And that is tucking our butt. And so I don't know how many women listening, have you been to a bar class or been to a fitness class and you're being told constantly like, tuck your booty, tuck your booty. Um, We have to stop doing that because that actually is shutting off our pelvic floor. It's a huge contributor to incontinence. Um, One of the first things I work on with my clients, whether we're working one-on-one or you're doing, you know, my online core rehab program is working on our posture, bringing awareness to our pelvis. And so we can work all day long to try to get our pelvic floor to fire or activate correctly or release. But if we don't actually address what's going on with our pelvis and our posture, and are we over clenching our glutes all the time, then it's just going to be an uphill battle and we're not going to get rid of incontinence. This is where we can't just address pelvic floor as a standalone. I think it could be great. I always, I never will tell a woman, you know, don't go see a a pelvic floor physical therapist. I think it's, it can be really good to get that feedback. Absolutely. Um, but I do see for long-term results, we also need to be addressing the posture and that pelvic positioning. Mm, wow. So someone could possibly be going to a bar class to like strengthen other parts of their body and be also potentially triggering this imbalance in their pelvic floor at the same time. Absolutely. Time and time again, I see it all the time. It's like one of the first things I have my ladies do is we have to stop clenching our glutes and stop tucking our butts. Now we don't want to overcompensate, right? So when women want to go and untuck their butt, you cannot untuck your butt by arching into your low back, right? So mm-hmm. we have to not over, and I, I, I say this all the time, like little teeny tiny changes, right? And so one of those first things is like, recognize, like, are you sitting all day long with your booty tucked and pressure into your low back um, and into your sacrum and all of that, which most likely, you know, you may have low back pain too. Um, And so when we can start to recognize like, oh, I'm tucking my booty. So I just need to like, let it go, not overextend an arch because we don't want to, you know, cause other things, but it's little tiny shifts that um, we need to just start to be aware of that we can can, you know, correct and really work to rebalance the body. And I always say for women that come into my core rehab program that a hundred percent of women will heal their incontinence. It's really amazing. It's like astonishing to think that that is possible. Um, and here's the reason why I like to talk about the incontinence, the pee in your pants. So some women don't know what incontinence is too, right? Is that if you're having that happen, even if it's just the occasional when you sneeze or when you're laughing, right? That That is your body communicating with you and telling you, hey, like pelvic floor down here needs a little attention. And if we just continue to ignore it, um, then other problems can come up, you know, back pain, hip pain, pelvic pain, um, pelvic organ prolapse. I don't know, Sophie, do you talk, have you talked to your audience about that? Do they know what that is? I would love to know. I mean, I think, let me just ask this before we move into that subject. Do you think that incontinence is a first, first, um, flare from the body? Like, you know, I, I, I work a lot in the menstrual health space. So sometimes, you know, someone will come in and their periods are regular, but like 
their first, their first sign was like brain fog, (laughs) you know, and it's like these symptoms that are seemingly super far removed. What you and I know as FDNs, like they're all, everything is connected. Um, and so I would be curious to know if you think like incontinence is one of those like first body signs, like, Hey, pay attention to me, pelvic floor. And then all of a sudden you have all these other issues kind of, you know, I do. I, I do. I always talk to my to my audience about that. Like it is the first sign. And so if it's happening, we have got to stop ignoring it. Um, and the thing is, though, is that societally we're told or so many women are just told by other women in their lives like, oh, honey, that's just normal. You've had a couple babies or, you know, whatever it is. But there, there are things we can do to prevent. There are things that we can do to heal. Um, and so, you know, and I worked with so many women to date to know that absolutely we can get rid of it, but you have to stop putting it off. Just like mm-hmm. with your hormone health, like it just, it's not going to get better if you don't do anything about it. <laughs> right, right. I know it's hard. It's hard when we're told, I mean, you're basically saying like the thing that I hear the most from women, it's, you know, it's common, but just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal or that you have to put up with it. I mean, right. Like just because something happens often doesn't mean that we have to be subject to, you know, peeing our pants for the rest of our lives. Like, no, let's, let's claim something bigger for ourselves. So, so if someone was having, um, you know, this incontinence and they came to you, you would do some sort of assessment to figure out if they were imbalanced or tightening too much or, or not tight uh, enough. Is that kind of how it would work? So yeah, well, basically in my core rehab program, what I do in the beginning is we have fundamental trainings, right? One of them is posture because that's something that we need to be aware of all day long anyway, whether we're sitting, standing, wrangling kids, you know, out for walks, like you would be blown away at the amount of women that have said to me, Erica, I've been walking wrong my whole life. And they watch my walking tutorial and they're like, whoa, I've been walking wrong my whole life, you know? So just like simple things, but it's like, I basically am reteaching women how to, how to move in a way that's really going to, in the long run, strengthen her body. And all of that kind of then involves the conversation of pelvic floor. Um, I also teach her how, you know, with some really basic gentle movements, um, how to start to wake up her pelvic floor, how to start to release it. And there's, and it's not just about movement, right? So many times we think of fitness and it's like just about doing the exercises, get through the movement, right? And I, and I say over and over again to my ladies, like, if that's your attitude, you've come to the wrong place. You, you will probably get results, but you will not get the results that, that you can potentially get. Um, and that's why I talk, you know, in my intro, you talked about like intuition and breath work. And I'm really, really, really big on this because I'm a huge believer. Our body is always communicating with us. Like I've already said, like the incontinence can be a really good, like first signal, but also going deeper with that and really starting to understand like, well, we can communicate with our body as well. So when we're starting to try to understand our pelvic floor more and our deep core and our pelvis and all the stuff that's going on. Like I even teach an anatomy class because I know a lot of women don't really know our anatomy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be always a really good visual for women. They're like, oh, that makes so much more sense to me when I can now visually understand my pelvic floor and fascia and just, you know, the body a little bit more. So that's a part of it because I'm big on teaching her to visualize what she does want as we're doing the movements and breath work is huge. Like we cannot have optimal pelvic floor function without learning how to breathe better, right? How many women um, tell me all the time, they're like, Erica, I can't breathe past my chest. Like I'll be cueing her to breathe into her back. And she's like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And 
that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we really all have to one, like recognize where we are and be okay with that. And that is a honestly a really big, big first step in understanding our pelvic floor is not trying to force our pelvic floor to activate the right way or force it to release. We have to like give our body grace and be gentle with ourselves um, because there's things that can come up with it and we have to process emotions sometimes. Um, even if we don't know where they came from or why they're there, like that's okay. Right. We just have to like, so many times we want an answer right here, right now, or wanted it yesterday. Um, and so we have to really start to go about movement and learning about our body and our pelvic floor with, with grace and ease and understand that we're not going to learn how to activate our pelvic floor properly in 24 or 48 hours. Um, because we didn't create these imbalances in our body overnight. Right. So it's, it's learning. It's just this, it's just a multitude of movement, breath work, posture, just learning about your body is, so there's no real like one answer for that, Sophie. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think that's beautifully put and it, it mirrors, you know, my work so much because, you know, we want to like fix everything. We're, we live in an instantaneous society and that's not necessarily how our bodies respond to things like breath work and intuition and the correct movements and building up strength in that way. And um, I also just love that you brought in the emotion part because in one of my programs, the She Health Experience, I have um, a doctor of physical therapy, a pelvic floor physical therapy in there. And her story always just struck me so, so beautifully that she was doing this internal um, work with, uh, with women on the physical aspect of the pelvic floor in clinic. And she was finding that as they, as they did the breath work, as they opened up the pelvic floor, as they released, that would release so much emotions. <laughs> and yep. so she put it into an online space where she, you know, I'm so, so grateful that she's in the experience because the women in there are getting that next level of healing and transformation because they're not only learning their pelvic floor, but they're a lot, they're, like you said, they're allowing that to release or letting their emotions come up and through. And we're just not really set up, I don't think as a society to um, respect and honor that. And so this is, this is really huge that you're doing this for women because we're just not taught any of it. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about my posture as we sit here. I'm like, "Mm, this and that, and how is everything connected? Okay. So um, incontinence is like kind of the first sign. And I know I'm going to screw up this word, but (laughs) diastasis recti, is that correct? Well, I typically pronounce it diastasis recti, um, but there are a couple of different ways. So yeah, it's totally okay. That's not talked about enough, obviously, because we don't even know how to say it, (laughs) Um, but it's super, super common. Um, can you talk us through how this happens and what someone might be able to do about it? Is this another thing like incontinence that can be reversed or supported in some way? Um, yes, I do believe that we can heal diastasis, um, at least to a point of what we call functional diastasis. So that basically the fascia of our core is strong and connected to help to hold our, our organs in. So Diastasis recti, for those that don't know, is basically when we get that separation between the rectus abdominals, right? So we visualize like a six pack um, and it's really common, you know, with pregnancy, because if you think about it, right, belly's got to grow and, and there's, it has to be give somewhere, right? Now it doesn't just happen to pregnant women. Um, women who do way too many crunches um, can get it. Men can get it. 
Um, and you'll see it if you just were to Google like bodybuilders, like you will see bodybuilders with diastasis as well. Um, so ladies, stop doing so many crunches. That's one of my first pieces of advice. Um, but basically what diastasis... I've never said like, that before, right? Like every woman's what? like, what? Stop doing crunches? For my core? Wait, I thought I had to do crunches for my core. <laughs> well, so here's, here's my question I always want to ask women. Would you rather have a six pack, but like a bulging belly or not worry about the six pack and have a flat belly? Mm, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And it's better for it's better for your health too because that means your pelvic floor is going to be more properly strengthened in the right way um and you're going to have the support that your body needs to help hold your organs in it can help with digestion and also give your spine support as well. So um yeah, so it's like a whole so we think of like our deep core. Let me explain this first and this will tie in with the pelvic floor and diastasis. So yeah. So when I talk about deep core ladies, what I'm really talking about is everything from the base of our pelvis, which includes our pelvic floor, which is why it's involved in everything I talk about, um, all the way up through our torso, including our diaphragm, the intercostal muscles around our rib cage, all the way up basically underneath our shoulders. Um, and it includes the, you know, along the spine, the deep muscles, as well as the front of our belly and all the tissue that's inside of our, our core, our abdomen, which goes around our organs and, you know, and above our pelvic floor ladies, we have like layers of fascia and tissue that help support our organs. So this is why like, I'll talk a lot about fascia because, and that's the way I train so that we can become more fascially strong. Um, and, it's great to be muscularly strong. Yes. But when you learn to be fascially strong, you'll also be more muscularly strong. But if you just learn to be muscularly strong, you may or may not be as fascially strong. Does that make a little sense, <laughs> Sophie? Yeah. I think maybe it might be helpful to know what the, what the difference is for someone who's never even heard maybe the word fascia, <laughs> um, what that, what that would look like. And I, I think I, that's my trainer is really all about this as well. And one of the things she always says is like, it's really important to have functional movement. It's really important to strengthen the little muscles. It's really important to, like you said earlier, not be too tight in certain areas. So like we actually work a lot on fascia release, but someone might not really know what that, what that means, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I like to explain fascia as it's really how our entire body is connected together. Um, it's made most, it's made up of, you know, collagen matrix, which is why like collagen, right. is like a buzz word, a good supplement to take, right. Because oh, yeah. Health, health. yeah, everyone's doing collagen these days. So. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to like take the outer layer of fascia that's on your body off, it would look like the outline of your body. And so you would see your toes, you would see your fingers, right? It's like, and, and it really, it goes through your muscles. It wraps around your muscles. It goes around your organs. Um, it fills up some of the space, like again, above your pelvic floor, you don't just have the muscles of the pelvic floor, but you have all the fascia and then every, the fascia above it, again, helping to support our, our, you know, uterus and our bladder and our, you know, intestines and all of that. And in the front of our abdominal wall, we have fascial layers. And so that's where, when I was mentioning, like, would you rather have a bulging belly, um, and a six pack or a flat belly and, you know, be just feel so much better and, you know, 
kind of forget, it, it not to say you couldn't have a six pack and have a flat belly, but if you've got diastasis recti, there's just like this fine, fine finesse in there. So when we learn how to activate our body in a much more fascially fluid way, we are focusing on lengthening our body. Um, we are focusing on breath work. We are focusing on creating more space. Um, and again, pelvic floor is going to be involved in that. Absolutely. Um, so in order to really truly like start to heal diastasis recti, start to bring that gap together, we have to understand how to activate the deep layers of our core, which involves our pelvic floor, because you can't actually activate the deep layers of your core without involving the pelvic floor. And if we're really too tight in our pelvic floor, we may tend to grip in our obliques. And I see a lot of women with diastasis tend to grip in the obliques. Um, and so we have to learn how to kind of let go of some of these trainings we've been taught where it's like squeeze harder and draw belly to spine and do these types of things that really like before we feel like a muscle burn. Um, and instead we need to actually focus on things that are lighter and gentler and creating space. And so for example, like if I'm going to teach someone how to activate her pelvic floor, start to get her belly flatter, we have to have good posture. Once so if you're sitting here, you want to think about as you exhale, lightly drawing that pelvic floor together and then zip up tall all the way through the top of your head and start to feel from like your pubic bone up through the front of your belly that you want to activate that and you want to draw that up all the way, you know, through the top of your head, because what that is doing, that is training the fascia of our body to become stronger in a lengthened position. Um, and this is where like a good example to explain how fascia works is like, if it makes sense to me, actually, the way you just said that, like stronger in an act as a, well, I just think of my own body and I feel like I do a lot of tensing, a lot of construction, a constriction, you know, a lot of working, you know, you, you lose your posture. Right. Um, and so that makes so, and that's always when pain comes and you can't be muscular if you're, if you're <laughs> broken. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. that makes, yeah. that makes so, sense. I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. But oh that, yeah, no. Totally like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so if we're just focusing on you know, doing a bunch of squats and doing a bunch of biceps or triceps or abs, like things like that. Again, not that they're, they're bad by any means. I don't believe like there's necessarily bad exercises out there. Um, but we can do all these moves that are much more effective so that we are working on basically strengthening our entire body together with an emphasis on, you know, certain areas, but essentially like a squat even should be strengthening our deep core and our pelvic floor when done correctly. You know, we kind of got up. I know you're going to like, what, we can pull this back to diastasis. But. <laughs> well, um, we had talked about how um, incontinence was something that was assigned to the body. And it was something that 100% of the time you've seen to be able to really get reversed or supported big time. So we were just kind of talking about this diastasis and whether or not this is also something that you can, I guess, reverse or support. Um, and I would also, I mean, can we back up to like, how would one know if they had diastasis recti? Is it, is it very clear on the outside, like you were talking about that separation? Or I know, I mean, the, the main place, of course, that I know about it is from, like you mentioned earlier, like from women who've given birth. Um, but is that something that you would just know? Would there be pain? Would there be a restructuring of like the, the belly area? Like how, how would you know if you even had this? And then, yeah, how would you, I guess you, you are kind of explaining though, like about the lengthening process and that might be part of how you would 
go about remedying it. Yeah. So yeah, how to test for it essentially, right? So um, number one, I'll just say don't test if you're pregnant. Just wait until afterwards, um, preferably 10 weeks postpartum because there's a lot of natural healing that happens in those first um, 10 weeks uh, or so postpartum. Plus, ladies, it takes six weeks easily for your uterus to go back down. So I'll get women that reach out to me and they're like two weeks postpartum. And she's like, Erica, I can fit my whole fist in my belly. And I'm like, you're only two, you know, two weeks postpartum. Like, like just just, ignore that, right? You're going to get a false, (laughs) like false reading that it's way worse than it is. Um, so there's, yeah, so I actually have a video and if you want me to, I can send you that link. So if you want to share that of how to properly test for it, um, some women can easily spot it. Typically if you're doing crunches and instead of your belly again being flat, you'll notice like a bump ridge alien type thing coming up the midline of your belly. Um, and so that's telling me you're putting a lot of intra-abdominal pressure there. Um, we're not connecting fascially through the, through the deep core. Um, and basically it's pushing your in organs from the inside, like squeezing them out. Um, and in time that can get worse, can lead to pelvic floor dysfunction. It can lead to back pain, um, and and all of that. So I look at, I know doctors, some doctors will disagree and say, Oh, it's a vanity thing. If a woman, woman wants to heal diastasis. Um, I had it with my third and I have now what you call uh, functional diastasis. So this answers the question of, can you heal it? I believe, yes, you can heal it at least to the point of uh, where it's functional as in your belly is flat. You've got nice, you know, strength, fascial strength through the abdominal wall. So you can do things in life that you want to do. Nothing slows you down. Like I'm back, I've been back for years. She's nine now um, doing advanced Pilates stuff and all sorts of amazing exercises. And I, I've never slowed down by it um, as are women I work with. And so if you have a more severe separation, um, just know that there is always healing potential right? The goal is not always necessarily to bring it back. Um, the bigger goal is how strong can we make the, um, like basically the fascial layers of the front of the belly. So when you're testing for it and you know, yeah, we want to test the width, but more important, like you want to test to see how far down can you easily gently, we never want to like force something, right? Um, if you go to measure, like how far down do your fingers go? into your belly when you measure, like, do you feel a ridge? Cause women can have a one finger width separation, which is actually the normal spacing, right? If you think a six pack, there's that linear elbow line, right? That's normal, right? So ladies, if you have one finger width separation and you do the test, know that that's normal. But if you have one finger width separation and you can push your fingers down in between because you feel the ridges along the side, um, then there's definitely healing potential there. And I would say we want to really be working on strengthening the deep layers of our core, looking at our posture, how we're breathing, all of these things. Um, because say, if you want to have another pregnancy, um, it could definitely get worse with the next pregnancy, especially if we're not doing the white, the right type of training. Um, now for women who say maybe have like, she's like Erica, but I have like a four finger with separation and I can push my hand, you know, down into my abdominal cavity when I do the test. And I like, my youngest is like 12, (laughs) you know, like, is there hope for me? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we may not get that four finger width down to one finger width. That's not really my goal. If we could close it down to three or even two and really work to get that belly to be strong and flatter so that we have support of our organs, we have support of our intestines. Cause Sophie, I know you like with the gut health, right? Oh, yeah. and, this is, and I talk about gut health all the time on my side too, 
because I talked to my ladies, like, um, we have got to work on our digestion, um, especially when healing diastasis, healing our core, healing our pelvic floor as well, because if we're constipated all the time, that's putting a lot of stress on our pelvic floor. That's putting a lot of stress on our abdominals. It's going to make it harder for you to heal diastasis recti, harder for you to become, come in touch with your pelvic floor. And time and time again, when I work with my one-on-one clients and we do the deep FDN, you know, um, training, you know, we go through the deep training. I do my, you know, brain coaching as well. And, and I get her gut health turned around. She's like, Oh my gosh, Erica, my pelvic floor just like woke up. And I'm like, yeah, because you, when you're pushing so hard all the time, you're constipated, you're sluggish, not to mention all the toxins you're recirculating in your body. That's a whole other conversation. But I will just put a plug in there for you, Sophie, too, that like digestion matters, ladies, when it comes to our core function. Um, so it's a, it's a twofold. I always say, too, like we've got to strengthen the outside, well, and inside, obviously, but if we have that constant pressure of our intestines always being bloated and backed up, pushing out, it just makes it that much harder for us. But we have to do both. It's not like you can pick one or the other, like they, they work synergistically together. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because I mean, I've never, I've never been, you know, and I've never investigated pelvic floor health for me. It's not something that I've, I guess, actively had like a symptom of, or that I know of. Right. But I did, and maybe this is a symptom of that, but <laughs> when I had IBS, I, I started, um, as everyone probably listening to this knows, they're like, I, yeah, I've heard this many times. I had IBS when I was 16. And, um, what I don't talk about a lot is the back pain that I had. And I had such bad low back pain, um, all through like my early twenties, um, until I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and started healing. I didn't realize that the inflammation in my gut was causing inflammation, you know, everywhere in my body. And everything is so connected that when my gut finally healed, my lower back pain went away. And, but, then I, but <laughs> which is amazing. I mean, I'm talking about, I, I actually just posted about this. Like I, I would be like on the floor in pain, like unable to move like that kind of stuff. And What's interesting though, is that I would notice the back pain coming back when I didn't take care of the rest of my physical body, right? Like now the gut has healed, but now I, I need to learn how to strengthen and how to lengthen and all these different things and find the right combination for my body. Otherwise I'm still going to have pain. So I think you're, yeah, you're just so spot on that it has to be both. And this weaving is really important. Um, okay. So I would love, I don't know if this is like a good next question to ask you, but for some, someone who might be um, really identifying with either of these conditions, what would be something like, where could someone start? Like, is there a, a healing exercise that you generally notice is good for people? Or is it just so personal to the person's <laughs> pelvic floor that you couldn't really give any advice to someone? Like, I always like to just ask our our um, guests, if there's like one thing that they would say, like, yeah, start doing this or stop doing this, like stop doing Kegels, stop, you know, stop flipping your butt or yeah, like something like that. Or there's a little move that they can do. Like, what would you say would be generally super helpful for your, for your ladies? Okay. So it's really hard to pick just one. <laughs> you can do 10. <laughs> we can do 10 tips. Like you can go for it. 10 tips. Okay. Okay. So the first one would be posture because you can be aware of that all day long. Stop tucking your butt, ladies. Please, please, please. As of today, no more butt tucking. Um, <laughs> number two, you said it, and we haven't actually talked about it, was, but like, well, I did a little bit, but is stop doing kegels and start looking at your pelvic floor as your pelvic floor. Um, and I, and so instead of trying to like 
like it's it's so weird how like the brain works and and fascinating at the same time, right? So I find that women that are trying to talk to me and they're like, okay, so you're trying to say like I'm doing a kegel and I'm doing this and like no no no. Put the Kegel word out of the picture. Just stop using that word because you know what? It's so ingrained in your brain to activate only like the front half of your pelvic floor that you're going to fight all day long with your brain to try to figure it out. So it's like you have to think like cut cold turkey. I'm learning a new way of addressing my pelvic floor. Um, And then maybe way down the road, once you figure it out, if you want to address it as a Kegel, fine, be my guest. But I actually have a whole podcast on this because I'm like very anti using that word because it just, it messes with, with women's brains. Um, the second one, or the third one, I mean, what's that, Sophie? I said, I feel the same way about like weight loss and the word diet and things like that, because it's just like, it messes with your brain. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. Like, there's just certain things that are so ingrained in women that we, we have to shift the vocabulary so we can shift our brain so that we can actually get where we want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll happen quicker when you finally just let go of old training habits and things. You're like, but I've learned, this is what I've been doing my whole life. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Today's a new day. It's, we're learning something new. Um, okay. So the third thing, and those will be my top three is um, pelvic tilts. I love pelvic tilts. So ladies, how you do these is you just lay on your mat or you can even lay on your bed and you put your, you bend your knees and your feet are flat. So just like you're going to set up to do a crunch, but we're not doing crunches. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're with your breath only, you are going to visualize your pelvic floor, that diamond lightly connecting, and you're going to gently um, rock your pelvis. So your back may or may not touch the mat. And then as you inhale, you want to arch your pelvis. So you arch your low back. And then we just kind of exhale and we're just basically rocking our pelvis back and forth. You can do it seated too. I just find laying down helps women to let go of tension in the pelvis. Cause if we're sitting right here, like you can do it. So if you're right seated, but you have like, you have some pressure like pushing down on your pelvis. So if you're laying down and doing this, it's like a great way to really start to learn and get some feedback of our pelvic floor because we can start to feel, because most women initially, ladies, pay attention to this. When you go to do this, it's very likely that your glutes are going to turn on to tilt your pelvis, um, especially if you've been a, a glute butt tucker. <laughs> um, so just be aware of that. So this is like a really good, like we talk about some brain training here. This is a really good exercise that is, seems so simple, almost stupidly simple, right? But ladies, you have to trust me on this. The first dozen times you might try this exercise, like as in dozen days that you try this, you might be like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Right. But sometimes we just have to start moving in a way that is very gentle and in a different way to train our brain differently, challenge our brain differently, improve our breath work. Um, And before you know it, one day you'll be like, whoa, I felt something new today, you know? And so we have to just move with that, with ease, with gentleness and not forcefulness. And that's, again, a thing of brain training, getting out of the like squeezing and going hard or going home mentality, um, because that's what gets a lot of women in this position to start with. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. I, I, I just recorded a, like a postpartum podcast with um, my friend Kimberly and we just released it. And I, I, that was like the whole point of the thing of the whole entire podcast was like, stop the bounce back culture, like stop the go hard, like get back into your pre-baby weight, like all that stuff that's not helpful. It's just unrealistic for so many people. And, and we can get, we can get to a new place, but like we have to take the time and we have to be easeful and graceful and we have to use our bodies in these ways that are just not talked about enough, just not at all. I would be curious to know too, if um, something that keeps coming up to my brain, and I don't know if this is something 
that you hear a lot is like, so say someone has a, a pelvic floor issue or even a diagnosis, right? And they come to you and you, you're telling them all this, like release, do your pelvic tilt, stop t- tucking your butt, you know, stop the go home, you know, go hard or go home mentality. But like someone still wants to be fit, right? So do they, and you said that you have to do both, but is there, in your experience, is it you're doing both at the same time or do you kind of need to learn these new ways of lengthening first um, before you can do um, something more aggressive and, or is there just not even a place for something that aggressive, you know, in, in your workouts? Oh, that's a great question. I love this conversation. Um, so yeah, cause it, I get it all the time. So basically in my core rehab program, right, it's laid out in phases. Each phase builds upon the next and it's designed with, you know, all the fundamentals you need to learn with, along with movement, right? I'm a big believer, like we can heal our body through movement as well as adding in other, other layers. And so I know my ladies like to move, so I want her moving, but I also want her moving in a way that is going to be good for her in the long run. So if someone is essentially doing, wants to do core rehab, wants to learn how to really properly strengthen her core, and especially if she has any aches and pains or dysfunction, I always say, please, let's just table the high intensity stuff for now. And again, this is a huge thing, ladies. It's only a period of time. Um, The CrossFit, the running, anything that's really aggressive because yes, that absolutely can get in your way. Because in the beginning, we have got to learn something new. And so if we're constantly over-tightening, 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 how the heck are we ever going to be able to get in a space of releasing? Um, That said, I'm all for like walking and and doing things that are keeping you moving and active. Um, And again, of course, I teach actual specific movements and my cueing is the big thing. It's not just the exercises, it's how you're doing them. That's the big thing that everyone's like, Erica, wow, I've done this exercise my whole life, but I've never done it the way you're teaching me how to do it. And so that's where what I teach is very unique and different. And my goal, oh, go ahead. What? (laughs) Sorry, we're so excited, you guys, like talk about this. I was going to say like the cool thing about, I mean, I don't know if you're saying this without saying it, I'm going to say it straight. Um, I find that most exercise is geared towards men's bodies and not women's. And I'm curious if the way that you're cueing these exercises is just, you know, because it's, because it has a pelvic floor and that lengthening of the the fascia in mind that it's really geared also towards women's bodies in a way that's Mm -hmm. really not in, in other maybe mainstream classes we've been taught to do for our health. Yeah, it really is. And so my goal for women, and I'm always really clear about this, is if you want to be able to do your CrossFit, your running, your high intensity, or you just want to be able to get up and down from the ground without knee pain or back pain or run after your kids or grandkids or, you know, just keep up with life as you get older, um, you can absolutely do that, right? But there is sometimes this period of time we have to we have to change the way we do things. Um, and so, I mean, time and time again, I have women and they, we've had women that fully listened to me and she's like, Erica, I trust you. I trust this program. There's been enough women who worked with you. I know this works. So even though it's hard for her to stop running for a couple months, right? She's like, I'm, I'm going to trust. I know this works. And when she gradually is increasing and getting stronger and getting better and gradually getting back into her runs, and this can be after having five babies. I love this one story. This one mom, she was like so blown away that after having five babies, she, you know, listened to me wholeheartedly 
did everything the way she was supposed to do it. She's like, Erica, I'm back running and not only running farther without any pain, without any pee in my pants, but I'm running faster now after five babies than I was before having babies. And time and time again, I hear that. Um, and you know, you may have to learn, um, modifications. I hear from a lot of women, like they learn different ways of doing an exercise so they can go back to their other workout classes, but they know how to do it in a way and modify certain things so that it really is just strengthening them, you know, that much better. And so it really is, you know, just you learning so much more about your body and looking at movement in a much more holistic way so that, you know, we can be strong and healthy and as pain-free and, you know, say goodbye to dysfunction for as long as possible. Because when you start talking longevity and quality of life, mobility matters. It matters so much. And women in their 30s, even 40s, I think don't see it unless you're around and you see women who are older and, you know, and their mobility is really declined. And for me, I just, I work with older women too. And, um, you know, and I just, I want the best for women. And this is a big part that, that matters is going to, you know, staying active is, you know, is just, I think a key thing to happiness in life. So. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Being active is the key to happiness in life. Woo. Oh, I love this conversation so much. And it's, uh, it's just great that you're out here doing this for women and helping them to make these huge jumps. Like I love that story about your mom of because that just goes to show that we can we can speed up when we slow down you know absolutely I don't think I've had a had a client to date and I I mean I guess I've probably worked with hundreds of women at this point like I don't think I've had a single client to date that was just like yeah I'm like super not stressed and like you know I I get enough sleep and I I just you know I feel great like no you know (laughs) like all the women that come in are stressed out they're going way too hard um, you know, myself included, like I, I go too hard sometimes and I have to constantly be checking myself too, because that's a really good way to burn out your body. And that shows up in different places and in different ways. And this is so important because I, so often, I don't know, like when you do the, the, um, the FDN work, Erica, I'm not sure if you find this, but like, I often have to, I do, I have to tell my clients, Hey, look, I, I really don't think like CrossFit and running every single day right now is a great idea. Like your cortisol is through the roof or your cortisol is tanked. You know, your stress hormones are completely off. You're, you're missing a period or it's irregular. Like those are signs, right? That the body is like completely over, overachieving and, and not in a good way. Um, and I think that would, I would imagine relate back into the over tightening that you're talking about. And like, we don't live in a society that allows us to just release, you know, so this is huge. And then, and then you get to go back to that movement in the correct way and actually enjoy it even more because you're feeling better doing it and you can go faster and all these things. Like, I just love that message. Yeah. I, well, I second the whole, you know, I talk about this a lot too, because a lot of women are so depleted and especially after having babies and even before, heck, I was really depleted before as well. Um, and trying to do, you know, so much, but, um, you know, and the high intensity exercise is only going to deplete you more. And so it's really amazing. The women that I get to work with and she finds like a whole new love for a way to work out. That's actually gentle, leaves her feeling even better and more energized, even if she doesn't like work up a huge sweat and, you know, and all of that, which again, I'm all for sweating. Don't get me wrong. That's what saunas are for too. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, if we're doing things that are really depleting us, that's not, 
that's not optimal for our health either. No. And I mean, the, the crazy thing is when I see women, you know, generally eat more and, and exercise smartly, they do find that their body weight changes and their body composition changes in a way that is really like what they wanted in the, in the long run. And I think that's like really fascinating because I'll hear from women like, well, you know, I thought I had to do hit every single day <laughs> and it's like backfiring on, on us. Right. And so we have to work with our bodies, with our hormones, with our, the way our unique composition is. And I think, um, I think if we miss that step, we're just constantly feeling inadequate and, and it's such, it, it impacts our emotional health and how we show up in the world. So this is just so valuable. Thank you so much for your three tips. <laughs> Um, stop, stop, um, tipping your butt, your pelvic tilt and learning a new way of addressing your pelvic floor. I think those are huge, huge, important tips. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with today or just let us know how people can find you and get into one of your amazing programs? So I would say the big tip I always want to remind everyone is give yourself more grace and just be kind to your body. And it's amazing what can open up on the other side of that. It's really, really incredible. Um, so you can find everything that I do on my website at ericazeal.com. It's spelled E-R-I-C-A-Z-I-E-L. And I have my prenatal program on there. Um, so if you do have diastasis and you're pregnant, yes, we can actually work to heal it during pregnancy. And I teach that. Um, I have my signature program, which is my core rehab program, which ties in with everything that we've talked about today, um, my core connections podcast. Um, and so there's so much just good information. I also have a, a pelvic floor, a free pelvic floor guide for you ladies where it's just a one page kind of written out. Cause I know I talk fast sometimes and you're all trying to like process everything I've said about how to activate your pelvic floor. Um, so you can find that on my website, just ericazeal.com forward slash pelvic floor, um, and download yourself a copy of that and just, you know, start studying it, start practicing it. Don't try to master it. Cause it's going to take some time. <laughs> Right. Like it's, a, it's such a thing that we do as women, like, oh, there's like something I can learn. Like, let me just like try to like get it all done right now and just like put it on to do this. And it, it's like, no, even that we can slow down. Right. And not try to become experts overnight. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, cool, Erica. And definitely send me all the links and we'll throw them into the show notes um, for, for all these different things so people can find you super easily from listening to this podcast. We are so grateful for your time today. And yeah, I, I hope we can do this again on another topic soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sophie. This has been so awesome. Yay. All right, guys. I'll see you next time. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.